Interested in adding astral pirates riding dragons and monks from limbo warping reality into your game? Hold on to your hat and take some notes as we discuss the Githyanki and the Githzerai. That's how we roll. 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 Welcome to the Goblin's Corner. My name is Eric. And I'm Matt. And tonight, we're talking about the Gith, the species that gives us Gith Zerai and Gith Yankee. That's right. This species has been around for a long, long time, all the way back from, I believe, the Fiend Folio. Yes, the original Fiend Folio. Interestingly enough, invented, by the way, by George R.R. Martin. Did you know that? I did not know That's that. That's right. He did. Go look it up, folks. Very interesting. And then interesting. it was adapted by another author that I can't really remember the name right now and put into Dragon Magazine, and that's where it came from. Very cool. So tonight we're going to give you a delightful lore dump about the Gith Yankee, the Githzerai, and all of the hatred that they have for each other. We're going to give you some story options and, I dare say, some stuff for your players to play. Absolutely. So let's dive in, shall we? We're going to keep this somewhat brief. There's a lot regarding the Githzerai and the Githyanki, and so we're going to abbreviate it as much as we reasonably can. Right. So you may hear some stuff that we don't expound upon, and that's just because, hey, we've got a certain amount of time. If you want to hear more and you want a deeper dive into either, let us know. Additionally, depending upon what D&D version or game you happen to be playing, things are going to be shuffled around a tad. For example, some stories say that they were once humans, some say that they're a unique species in general, and some don't actually specify. And we're going to actually come up with a couple alternate histories as well tonight, too. Sounds great. We will focus on things that you can add to your story, including player opportunities and ways to make the Githyanki and the Githzerai even cooler, because they're pretty cool. Right. Yeah. The, no, they're very interesting. First, you have to start at the beginning. Okay. To understand the Githyanki and the Githzerai, you first have to understand the Mind Flayers, because they are intimately tied to the two of them. At some point in time, either the distant past or the distant future, knowing Mind Flayers, sure. the Mind Flayers grab their progenitors, who we'll call the Gith for right now, from an unknown, conquered world and enslave them. What were the original Gith? They could be humans, or something human-like, or complete aliens. They could be elves. Yep. I like the idea that they were actually GIF, the hippopotamus people, and it's actually just a bastardization of the name. Oh, that's delightful. I also thought it'd be kind of funny if they were halflings, that the Mind Flayers just stretched really long. It'd be kind of fun, too. So DMs, take your pick where they come from. Doesn't really matter, except in your story. That's the reason why they've got the funny-shaped heads, is because the Mind Flayers literally just grabbed them by the head and feet and stretched Stuck them. Stuck them on the rack and just kind of stretched them all out. Yeah, why not? In addition to being part of the Mind Flayer empire... They also started to tinker with them genetically because they're mind flares. Because mind flares do what mind flares got to do, right? Right. Depending upon the story, this tinkering can be energy from the far realm. Sure. Could be magical mutations. Could be psionic resistance. It could be all kinds of stuff. DMs, pick something that's fun, scary as shit, and thematic. And that's going to depend specifically on what niche your mind flares hold in your world yes but regardless of that over the insert amount of time here right they turned into the creatures that we see today basically the aeon flux inspiration yeah the super angular i get it that, yeah. i can see that so specifically what were the mutations matt what do they look like the gith are slender emaciated looking humanoids 
with speckled skin and shades of yellow, green, and brown. I think the ones we primarily see are like yellow skin speckled with brown, but they do come in all kinds of variations. Yep. They kind of have like a reptilian appearance to them as well, and we'll get to some of that also. They have angular skulls, deep-set eyes, flattened noses, sometimes depending upon the uh, illustrator without the actual nose part. Just the, yeah. Just the, yeah, just the hole. And pointed serrated ears. Their hair colors can be black, red, russet, and gray, or bald if you're a monk. Sure. They kind of look like angular punk elves, in my opinion, or stretched halflings. <laughs> Which I think, which honestly is going to be the lore for them now. They're stretched halflings. They're kinder. They're kinder. They're stretched kinder. Yeah, because they've already got the pointed ears and everything. That's not bad. Yeah, they got top knots too. Mm-hmm. Mm, I like that. Fun fact. Now, this kind of plays with either of those arguments. Apparently, at some point, they lay eggs. Not sure when, but they do now. Evolution. Yeah. This is, by the way, part of lore. Watsy's already said it. They do lay eggs. And they, I believe, can breed by themselves. They're hermaphroditic, yeah. which is interesting. But no explanation. No that's explanation. Just it's just something be- that humanoids do. Because magic, Matt. Sure. Obviously. Okay. That, that's fair. Also, due to exposure to the far realm or mind flares tinkering with them, they are naturally now psionic, which leads us to... Viva la revolution! Yes. The trials of Gith and Zerthamon. So now we have psionic humanoids being subjugated by a dominating mind flayer empire. Naturally, they revolt. Yeah, they're going to do what they're going to do, right? Many times they revolt, in fact. But each time they get crushed by the mind flayers until you see the arrival of an individual called Gith. Under her leadership, they hone their abilities. Gith riles up the people and she proceeds to just lead them into an unprecedented Uprising, And when we say unprecedented, think in one year, they kill countless elder brains, which is, by the way, is is no mean feat. Right. One is not easy. One is tough. (laughs) Countless is really impressive. They basically destroy the Illithid Empire in a year. And the Illithid Empire, for those of you playing the home game, spanned planes. It was a planner empire. Yeah. Not just worlds. The entire, like, entire multiverse. Right. They... They mess them up. Uh, they, in fact, they kill so many mind flares in that single year that they bring them to the brink of extinction and force them into hiding. Now, with that, you would think, hey, they won their freedom. Gith, the leader, is triumphant. And so everything's cool, right? Wrong. <laughs> because this is where we talk about the split between them. So at this point, Gith wants to establish her own empire for her people. And because they're so good at killing Elithids, they want to create a conquest-based empire, which it's kind of amusing because it's kind of like progeny, like offspring, right? Right. I mean, to her credit, it does make sense. Like, if this is what you've created people that are good at, then you continue to do it. I get it. But during the revolution, another leader named Zerthamon also gathered a significant following. And he's really interesting because he's not down with the tyranny. Right. He doesn't want to do it. He's like, look. I'm all about killing the lithids, but we don't need a tyrannical government. We just came from one. Right. He's trying to break the generational curse. Mm-hmm. So they have a fight. Zerthamon loses spectacularly because he gets killed. Right. And his followers flee to Limbo. And there's not that many left because they do a good job of killing each other. But in fairness, they do a lot of damage to Geth's followers as well. That's true. After this initial battle, Geth's followers head to the Astral, 
which were formal illithid settlements sitting on dead gods. Sure. And the two groups basically hate each other thereafter, right? So get the Yankee go to the astral plane, Gisarai go to limbo, and they just fight. This ends up fracturing the group into two different specific species. They're technically the same species, but we'll say cultural species, right? Yeah. So we have the Githyanki, which are named after the children of Gith. And the Gitzerai, which are those who spurn Gith. Yeah. How about naming your entire species as something that spurns the progenitor race? Sure. That's, that's messed up, right? DMs, this is an important note. Think about how the Githyanki and the Gitzerai fit into your campaign. Because you don't have to have them being created this specific way in the history. How were they created? They could be anything. Was it magical mutations? Was it something else? How does this history fit your story? Does it matter to your story? Mm -hmm. If not, just run it. If it does matter, change it and then justify the change. And that's really the important part, right? So this history is important in terms of knowing about what D&D came up with, but if it doesn't work in your realm, don't use it. Right. If you're if you're playing Eberron, gifts are going to come from way different things. Because <laughs> there's not even the astral plane in in that. There are in other iterations, other editions, there are other explanations. So you could be playing Dark Sun, where it's just the Gith. There's no Gith the Yankee or Gisari. It's just Gith. Yeah, and they have no planar ties at all. That's true. Let's talk about the different cultures: the Gith Yankee and the Gisari. You have same species. Vastly different qualities behind them. DM note, pick which book works for your players more or fits them more thematically. And what we're talking about is either Monsters of the Multiverse or Tome of Foes. We tend to go with Monsters of the Multiverse because it is more flexible, but that's up to you. Yeah, and and the stats are somewhat similar for sure. both books. I think one, I think, what is it? Uh, Tome of Foes is more strict. Yes. And then Monsters of the Multiverse is a little bit more open. Let's start with Monsters of the Multiverse, shall we? Okay. First off, uh, you can increase a score by two, another by one, or just take three scores and increase them all by one. Sure. Now, in 5e, they get psionics. Right, which is Mage Hand. And they get that at first, mm-hmm. and then, what, Jump at third and Misty Step at fifth? That's correct. They have Astral Knowledge, so you get a proficiency in one skill and one weapon until the end of a long rest, and then... It resets and you can pick another. That's very handy, by the way. That is awesome. I love that. This is why we love Monsters of the Multiverse. Yeah. They also get Psychic Resilience, which is resistance to psychic damage. Who doesn't love that? Barbarians love it. They get a couple languages, their medium humanoid, and all the other stuff that medium humanoids get. Let's talk about Tome of Foes. Okay. So it's just strength plus two and plus one. Yep. Same type of psionics from Monsters of the Multiverse. They have Decadent Mastery this time. And that's a language and a skill of your choice. Not as versatile, but useful. I do like languages, but being able to change a skill every day is significantly better. Githyanki also are martial prodigies, which means they get light and medium armor, short, long, and great sword proficiencies. Handy if you're going to be a gish. (laughs) Very much so. Eldritch Knight. Yeah. They tend towards lawful evil, and they... We mentioned Gish. That actually came from the Githyanki. If you head back to earlier editions, these were the one of the original fighter spellcasters. It was something that they very specifically did. So next we're going to get into Githzerai. Let's talk about the monsters of the multiverse first. Again, 
This time you increase a score by two, another by one, or three by one each. So same as they get the Yankee. The Psionics are slightly different. Mm -hmm. They still get Mage Hand. They get Shield at third. Yep. And Detect Thoughts at fifth. So slightly different. Again, their species are starting to differentiate a bit. They have Mental Discipline, which is interesting. Advantage to Charm and Frighten saves. Gotta love that. Hey, man, you're living on Limbo. There's a lot to charm and frighten you. Sure. Slob pops out with a hockey mask and a knife and goes, booga, booga, booga. You want to get the hell out of the way. They also get psychic resilience. Which is resistance to psychic damage. Again, handy. Yeah. And they get some languages, they're medium humanoids and so forth. What's the difference in the Tome of Foes? First off, they get plus two strength, plus one int. Right. Same as their counterparts. And then everything else from... Monsters of Multiverse is exactly the same. Is exactly the same. Same psionics, same mental discipline, psychic resilience, all that stuff. Yeah, it's it's exactly the same. Now they do tend towards lawful neutral in the Tome of Foes, and they also tend towards being monks. But again, they could play anything. Sure. Speaking of something that could be anything, we've got what, Matt? We got the question of the week. All right, what is the any question that you're about to give me? What is, in your either personal canon or one you'd like to put in a game, what is the alternate history of the Gith? That's an interesting question. I would say, in addition to being stretched halflings, sure. they are also the progenitors for the Aether Gaunts. Okay. The madness-inducing creatures of the ethereal plane. Yeah. The god killers. I think that'd be really cool because you never really know what they look like. They're always encased in this weird armor. It'd be neat that maybe they continue to mutate over time because you don't know if they come from like the distant past or the future. Sure. Maybe over time they mutate and turn into the ether gaunts. I also, as like a side note to that, think it would be cool if what if the ether gaunts are what the original gith became, the ones that escaped the illithids in the original capture. Oh, that's really cool. Like it's just completely divergent evolution. Yeah. That could exist. Yeah. What about you? What would be an alternate history for your gith? I think the gith are their own problem. What do you mean by that? I think they were a race of people who were attempting to reach and become higher selves mm -hmm. and through experimentation created from themselves the first illithid, which went insane and made more of itself made more of itself and took over the gith so the gith became mind flayers the mind flayers took over the remaining gith and then they rebelled against the mind flayers and became the githyanki and the gisserai yes so it's just an endless cycle because they traveled in time yep it's it happened so far back slash forward that the gith do not realize that they are also the mind flayers. Boy, they'd be pissed when they find out. Let me tell you. I love that idea. I think that's a cool theme to, to play with, too. Just being constantly the source of the problem. Yes. Yeah. Of course, we're always interested in your answers to the question of the week, and if you have one, hit us up at Goblin's Corner on all the various socials, and of course, you can always... You can always comment down below. That's what it's there for. That's right. Let's dive back into the Githyanki and the Gisserai, and this time we're going to talk about their society. Matt, Tell me a bit about their society. For the Githyanki, society is ruled by the last queen of the Gith, 
Vlocketh. Vlocketh. Yes. It does sound like a Klingon, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. I feel like someone's going to, like, a Klingon's just going to come up, smack somebody in the face, and say, Vlocketh. Yeah. Gut him with a batleth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Who happens to be a lich mm-hmm. that devours those that become too powerful. Yeah, so. That's problematic. You kind of want to fail upward with that, huh? <laughs> That's when your safest bet is to become a jester. Yeah, or just a commoner. Yeah. I'm. What are you? Get the Yankee commoner. Lives yeah. forever. Best farmer in the world. Best farmer in the world. Yeah. That powerful warrior. What happened? He got upgraded. <laughs> upgraded meaning he's got his soul eaten. Right. This is a very structured militaristic society, by the way. Some might say tyrannical, and it consists of communal living on the gods. Right. Uh, and then raiding. Like, just straight up going into other realms, raiding people, coming back to the astral plane, or raiding the astral plane on pirate ships. Yeah, they, they're alien Vikings. Yes. That's that's what they are. I see that, yeah, alien elf Vikings. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. They're alien elf Vikings that happen to inhabit the dead, decaying bodies of gods. There is that, floating yes. Floating in the astral plane. Which leads to all sorts of problems, of course, because what happens when you're living on a dead god? It could wake up suddenly. It, it could. Or speak to you. Someone remembers its name and starts a cult. Next thing you know, this thing's popping up and moving around. You're a farmer living on a dead god. You're growing some fruit, maybe an apple tree. You eat an apple. Suddenly, you become divinely inspired. Think about it. All sorts of bad things can happen. The hierarchy for Githyanki is very interesting as well. They're divided into companies, very regimented companies, right? Right. They've got... Uh, a particular part of their hierarchy, which are knights, and these are the ones that are basically more influential Githyanki. Now, the knights possess silver swords with the power to sever a projected soul. That's right. So, Wizards just coming along, Githyanki knight sees him, slashes the silver cord with the sword, got a dead wizard. Yep. Sucks. One of the things I really liked is that they hunt people mercilessly if they lost their silver sword. So if you happen to, I don't know, let's say get the Yankee party comes and raids you, right? You you got a powerful group of characters. They're boss, right? Sure. They defeat the Githy Yankee. One of them happens to be a knight. You take his sword. The rest of the Githy Yankee, if they find out, they will hunt your ass down to the ends of the multiverse to get that sword back. Yes. You don't get to keep that. No. Or if you do, it's at the end of a thousand, thousand battles. And they have a way of tracking it. Yes. They do tend to towards decadence and novelty since basically they live forever on the astral plane mm-hmm. uh they're fond of ornate clothing and tokens of defeated foes which feels very hypocritical of them yeah <laughs> but goes real well with the viking motif if you think about it sure and if you see like the illustrations of get the yankee they've always got the really interesting armor it's always bejeweled with stuff or it's kind of like that weird almost liquid metal design that the illustrators put on it yeah it's very fancy for very fancy people. That's right. So they raid other planes. They raid the astral seas for resources. They raid for creatures to enslave. Generally speaking, they're just awful. They're not great. Don't see a lot of Githyanki farmers, right? A lot of raiders, though. It's true. And they also hunt illithids. At all times, in all places. They will straight up go in, murder a bunch of illithids, pop back to the astral, and plan the next raid. Yeah. Any dimension, any time, they'll figure it out. One more fun fact, they also have a pact with red dragons. Because they do. I have yet to see the history on that. 
there is some. We didn't bother to dive into it, so oh, go yeah. look it up. Yeah, there's some history. Okay. Let's talk a bit about the Gisari. Less information, interestingly enough, on them than the Githyanki. Despite the fact that I would argue they're more interesting. Me too. <laughs> they live in limbo, for one. Their society is a rigid monastic order where monks called anarchs mm -hmm. literally will the fortresses and islands of order into existence to keep them from flying apart in limbo. They, they, they've got a group of monks that sit around in a fortress that are thinking about every object in the fortress or the town or the island. Right. Because if they don't, it will fucking fly apart. Because limbo. Because it's chaos. Right. That is fucking awesome. It has so much potential for that. I would definitely... And there's no follow-through whatsoever. None. Yep. Yeah. They just... That's how it works. They just think it into existence. The monks themselves follow the teachings of Zerthamon, which was the original guy that split. Right. And they're actually... The monks specifically are referred to as Zerths. That's right. They tend towards simple adornments, practical clothing, quiet contemplation. So basically the opposite of the Githyanki. Yes. I mean, they cannot be more diametrically opposed. They also place a lot of value on personal freedom. Once again. Not very tyrannical. Well, and diametrically opposed to their kin who enslave people. Mm -hmm. Now, they do share a couple things in common with the Githyanki, one of which is they like to hunt elithids as well. And in fact, will often not kill each other if they're killing elithids. Right. You can let everything slide when there's a living elithid nearby. So imagine this mind flare colony, right? You got the elder brain, a bunch of mind flares doing whatever the hell mind flares do. Githyanki and Gisarai just pop in and they both see each other and you see them staring at each other and then they see the elithids and then they're just like, yeah, we're cool for now. And they kill them all. And Order then they of go precedence. Back. Yep. And right. they go back to fighting. <laughs> uh, one other fun note. They tried to forge a pact with Chaos Dragons, which worked about as well as expected, i.e. Did, it didn't work. It didn't work at all. Because you, you can't cut a pact with something that's not going to keep a pact. No, not with a Chaos Dragon. DM note, think about the interplay between these two groups. This is important in your campaign. Is this a cold war or is it a hot war? Like, Are they actively trying to kill each other or is it just whenever they come across each other? You need to know if this is going to be a kill-on-sight situation or how it fits into your game at all. Because if you primarily leave them in the, to their own hunting grounds, right, you're probably not going to come across two of them in the same place. Right. But if they're actively going after each other, then that could cause problems for the player characters at some point. Because if I'm sitting on the Prime and I encounter an Illithid in the Underdark, all of a sudden I see a hunting party and another hunting party shows up, and I'm caught in the blast radius of both. That's a bad day. I'm stuck in the middle with you. <laughs> Speaking of which, players, what happens if you have a character that's playing a Githyanki and another's playing a Gisarai? What are you going to do? That's That could be, it could be a problem, but realistically, if you're both off adventuring, then you're clearly not currently living in your societies. Right, but, but if because you're part of the society are you going to forge a truth or are you always watching your six sure getting waiting for that backstab to happen could be fun if you've got players that are into that sort of dynamic i think it'd be really fun to explore yeah 
We also have a bunch of different options that you can use in your campaign. So we know a little bit about the Gith, right? Sure. We know the society of both. Let's let's kind of mix it up a little bit. Consider the above information first off, all right? It's just lore. Right. As we're fond of saying, since it's just lore, pick and choose what you like, what your players like, put that into your story. The current species options are pretty cool, but you can also always edit something in with Tasha's. Additionally, we think these are some fun options that you can include into the Githyanki and the Githyanki. First off, put a spin on the societies, right? Here's a couple of examples. First off, you can move the plane. So get the both sorts, get around, right? They are planner creatures. What if you've got Githyanki from the Plane of Fire or Avernus? That would be really cool. You could have Githyanki from the Abyss. Or Mechanus. Or Mechanus, either of which, by the way, could influence their alignments, which would be fun. Can you imagine Abyssal Githyanki monks or Berserkers? That would be crazy, right? Yeah. You could have Ethereal Githyanki. You could have Shadowfell Githyanki. And this works really well if you don't happen to have the Astral Plane in your campaign or Limbo. If you want the Githyanki to come from a chaotic plane, but don't want to deal with Limbo, put a monastery on the Feywild and have it opposed to the Githyanki and the Shadowfell. I think that's a great diametrical opposite. Yeah, the place of super liveliness versus the place of darkness and negativity. And that would also fit with everything too. Yep, that could be super cool. You can also change up the power structure of either society. So what happens if you remove Vlakith and replace her with something else for the Githyanki? What if Vlakith was the remnant of a god instead of a lich? Well, that would definitely change some things up. I mean, they are living on gods. Maybe some sort of avatar is pretending to be Vlakith. That would be kind of neat. What if? Uh Uh-huh. Hear me out. I love this. Deific doppelganger. A deific doppelganger? Yes. Literally has taken Vlakith's place and using all of the belief of the gith to provide itself with power 100% i'm 100% down with that what a great intrigue story for the gith yankee is another great one too what if they're being controlled by an illithid in disguise how ironic that would be they're killing a illithid but they're controlled by an illithid an alhoon that's what i was just about to say what if vlakith is being as a lich, mm-hmm. is being controlled by an Alhoon. Yeah, or maybe it's just the Alhoon that looks like Vlakith. Could be. That's also fun. You could also take the Githyanki and make them more piratey and less militaristic, which would put a spin on things. The regiments could be broken down by, like, captain, first mate, and instead of doing it militaristically, do it based off of, like, ships. Mm-hmm. It could also just be more in terms of like piratey flair. So it could be more whimsical. Sure. They could be more whimsical murderers. That'd be fun, right? Absolutely. <laughs> the Gith of Penzance. Yeah. What if the Giths Sarai farm elemental chaos into ordered objects? That's a really interesting idea to kind of change up some planner economy. <laughs> or destroy planner economy. Oh, I would love that. I mean, can you imagine them just farming gold? Literally farming gold? Yes. boy that would really piss off some kingdoms or things that are worth more than gold mithril or 
admin like super rare in quotation marks mm-hmm. elements and minerals it could be anything really sure that'd be a lot of fun you could also break from the monolithic civilizations so D has this tendency to kind of go this is how things are and there's no variation between them so you could vary the cultures a bit more so for example you could have get the yankee just not be evil or yep. lawful Sure. Nothing wrong with the chaotic neutral get the Yankee wandering around. Gets the right not being lawful neutral. I think them being anything but lawful neutral would be very interesting to explore. Here, I like the idea that there are, in fact, splinter groups of the schism. So other civilizations aside from the two main ones? Yeah, like maybe you've got Githzerai that have left Limbo because they hate it there. Mm-hmm. Because they want to concentrate on something other than the floor. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. There's slot everywhere with party hats. <laughs> right. I, uh, I have to watch my wall or it'll dissolve into the next room. That kind of sucks. Yeah. I want to go someplace where maybe, I don't know, I don't have to worry about staring at the wall so that it exists. <laughs> right. Like the prime. Sure. Or anywhere else. But- <laughs> is a vacation, right? Like it is the exact opposite of limbo. You just go and you're just like, Everything works. Everything in its place. (laughs) Now I'm going to just train. Some other options you could also do is you could have get the Yankee be mercenaries. That would be kind of fun. You could have them be farmers of the God world that they live on. Again, God fruit. Yeah. God minerals. God anything, really. Sure. Harvesting the God, man. Just digging into his ear. Mm -hmm. Getting some God wax. Make some God candles. That's where candles of invocations come from. Bingo. I love that. God your wax. They could be merchants in Sigil. Just selling stuff. Yeah. They could be peaceful. Peaceful scholars, peaceful mages, peaceful judges. You can also, as you were talking about, like, turn some ideas on their head. Get the Zerai as bandits. Mm-hmm. That'd be a lot of fun. Acrobats. Now, this I love. Jesters. Jesters. Because they're already exposed to the madness of Limbo. Maybe a couple of them. You know, they're sitting in their monastery. They're contemplating reality. And... They just can't take it anymore, and they crack, and the god of jesters calls to them and sucks them away to a different place, and now they're jesters or comedians. I like that idea. I like them like just going off the deep end and being Looney Tunes jesters or comedians, but I also like the idea of a straight man style comedian, mm-hmm. like uh, observational humor. Yep. I feel like that could also be Very really Stephen funny. Wright. Yes. Yeah, I love that too. You could also change up their classes. Yeah, Players, ponder a couple of these that we've given you below. What other combinations can you make out of these? Matt, what's the first one we have on the list here? A Gith Yankee cleric of dead gods. And why not? They live on dead gods. Maybe one of them wakes up, starts speaking to them. Or maybe it's just a whisper and it becomes like this cleric's chosen job to resurrect, resurrect it. him. Sure. I love this one, Matt, that you came up with. A Githyanki Warlock of the Undead, Flakith as their patron. When 5th edition came out with Warlocks of Undeath and Githyanki, this should have happened in canon. This should, yeah, this should have been the example in the book. Right. I love that. A Githyanki Berserker. Just go completely opposite. Yeah, just run it. Githzerai monk slash circle of the moon druid. Yeah, the Githzerai of many shapes. Mm-hmm. Just learning from the slot, just changing its form. I also love this one, Matt. Githzerai creation bard slash monk. 
they already make stuff out of thin air. It only like that is a combo that makes sense to me. And I love your explanation for this. You do the creation bar stuff so they can make things. And then because they have like word of creation and such. Mm -hmm. And then the monk part, because they could literally make weapons out of thin air and beat people to death with the weapons they make. In my head, this went exactly like this. Anime battle block with a quarterstaff, which dissolves into a long sword that wasn't there a second ago, mm -hmm. jump back, throw a dagger, right? Like all of these are just weapons that are being created on the fly. Of course, my favorite <laughs> warlock, the warlock of the slod. Yes. Because why not? You're going to get a Gisarai that maybe doesn't want to be a monk. Maybe he wants to put a party hat on and grab a big fucking mallet. Sure. <laughs> and go to town. <laughs> Makes that pack with the slod. You know, anything can happen then. It's party time. Here's my idea. He got implanted with an egg. He made a pact with the egg for the egg to not hatch, mm -hmm. but the egg gets to ride around and share all of his senses. It's ride or die? Yeah. He's got a ride or die living inside him yep. that could burst forth into a blue slot at any point in time. Absolutely. Why not? That'd be fun. <laughs> uh, Gesserai rogues as gate crashers. That'd be kind of fun, too. Again, they're traveling the planes. Maybe they learn how to pick some planar locks, bust through the doors. They make great rogues. Absolutely. And then Gisarai Wild Magic Sorcerers. Now, this one just also makes sense. They are constantly bombarded by chaos. Some of them, it just affects, right? Their they egg that they lay. I'm going to reinforce that. <laughs> Remember, folks. They lay eggs. They lay eggs. Mm -hmm. They have now beat out the platypus as the only mammal that lays eggs. Now, there are two. The egg sits there in this planner chaos and soaks up some of the weirdness. Now they're wild magic sorcerers. Done there you deal. go. That's what happens. And finally, we've got some fun stories for DMs. These are just a few to whet your appetite, whether you're playing a Githyanki or a Githyanki, or if you're DMing Githyanki and Githyanki. We've got a temple of Githyanki heretics is selling pieces of dead gods to consume. Sure. And I see them selling to ghouls. Okay. I had a different take on this. Which was? Which was Githyanki chefs. Oh, that is perfect. <laughs> it's fine dining. <laughs> the finest dining. Bodies of dead gods? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I love that. Wow. That's its own story right there, folks. You're welcome. Damn, I can't. I don't know if I can do any better than that. Jesus. A Githzerai bard is being hunted for an alternate history of the Gith. So he's spreading around a different history, and they're hunting him down. Sure. Fun thing. He could be right. They could be hunting him because he's a liar, or they could be hunting him because he's not. Mm -hmm. Another good one. The players are abducted either by the Githzerai or the Githyanki. They've just been stolen. Take your pick. It sucks either way. Yep. Could be how the game starts, in fact. Yeah. Players find a large ship graveyard in the astral plane, which maybe is where they get the Yankee or hunting people. Yeah. It's a ship graveyard because there's a group of pirates operating nearby. Mm -hmm. The players find a town of Githyanki and Githzerai living in harmony. Just chilling, getting along. Everything's cool. How did that happen? Maybe they put aside their differences. That would be a really interesting side quest or story. Could be. Could be that an illithid has enslaved them and they're being there. Ah, could do that too. <laughs> Here's a fun one. 
Githyanki crash land a dead god near a prime material town. So you imagine them flying this dead god and it just busts through oh, into, no. into the prime material plane. You see it kind of shatter like glass. Right. The portal erupts or this rift in space time and they just land a dead god into your town. Hear me out. The sky is falling. They literally shattered the sky. And it's pieces of it just kind of fragment and yep. land in town. That would be awesome too. Players find a dying Githzerai holding a piece of elemental chaos that is stable. It could be a great artifact or high-level magic item to enter into your campaign. In my head, it is stable in that it does not dissolve. It is not stable in that it stays in the same shape. And finally, the Githzerai battle on the prime material plane leaves a portal open for Slod to venture forth and unleash their happiness upon the world. <laughs> Imagine they pop through. Sure. Maybe they're raiding some elithids. They pop back out, but they don't close the portal and the slide bursts forth. Start spreading their chaos everywhere. Yeah, it's supposed to be a quick raid, right? They found a permanent portal that they opened, but something went awry, and now the portal is open. And bad times all around there. <laughs> yep. So there you have it. A brief history of the Githzerai and Githyanki. Ways to play Githzerai and Githyanki as well as a whole bunch of fun DM stories and options for you to use in your campaign. Also, a couple of uh, class combinations and stuff that we feel like fit. Yeah, mix it up. Presto changeo, you got yourself an amazing story. Any questions or comments? Hit us up at Goblin's Corner on all of the various socials. Did you enjoy this podcast? We're bursting forth from other Prime Material planes. Subscribe to it on your favorite player, YouTube, and Twitch. Click the five stars and give us a review on iTunes or Podchaser, wherever else you listen to podcasts. And on YouTube, hit the like and subscribe button. It helps get us in front of more people and it feeds the hungry algorithm. Which is currently diving into various alternate realities to bring forth a new species. We call them... The Githgarism. The Githgarism. <laughs> That's all the time we have for tonight. Once again, my name is Eric. And I'm Matt. We'll see you next time. Good night, folks. The Goblin's Corner is written and produced by Eric Holden and Matt Staples. Show song by the mighty D20. This is a subterranean production. Basic.